Chapters ten through fourteen of Out of the Shadow by Rose Gollop Cohen. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter ten. We children scarcely knew Aunt Masha. All I remembered of her two visits was that both times she had come to stay a month, but went away at the end of a week, and that we felt depressed afterwards, and grandmother cried for days and days. And so it was only now that we began to know her. When she had been home a short time we found that she was affectionate but also severe and hot-tempered if we did not obey her promptly she scolded severely or worse still stopped speaking to us aunt masha was also a painfully clean person and spent a great deal of time in washing us brother whose skin was dark often appeared after she was through with him with his neck red and tears in his eyes but the greatest trouble was caused by aunt masha's personal belongings nothing of hers must be touched and as we were very curious about things that came from the city there was a world of trouble one morning i rose earlier than usual all were asleep except mother and grandfather who were out as i passed aunt masha's bed i was attracted by her little shoes which stood close together on the floor beside her bed looking like two soldiers keeping watch they were the smallest things with high tops pointed toes and elastic sides often i had longed to try them on and once i even asked aunt masha if i might but she said no you would burst them now as i stood looking at them and at my own clumsy lace shoes made by our village shoemaker i thought yes they would fit oh how i should like to try them on just for a moment i glanced at aunt masha's face the wrinkle between her eyebrows was there even now and it was saying to me no but the lips which were partly open showing the white strong teeth seemed to smile yes very quietly i tiptoed over to the bed took the shoes and hastened to the bench near the oven my fingers trembled so that i could not open my laces they became knotted and it took me a long time to break them open but at last my shoes were off i remember how rapidly my heart beat when i began to draw one of hers on i thought if it does not go on easily i won't force it but it did and felt comfortable and the elastic fitted snugly around the ankles with a feeling of pleasure i stepped down on the floor to see how much taller i looked with high heels as i stood up i glanced anxiously toward aunt masha's bed what i saw sent the blood rushing to my face she was sitting up in bed looking as though she saw a ghost i suppose you have burst them i told you not to put them on she said and frowned this frown brought back my earliest recollections of her i remembered how i feared it now as i stood looking at her it deepened and deepened until it seemed to darken her whole face and reminded me of an angry cloud quickly i took off her shoes put them near her bed and ran from her as from an approaching storm outside i met mother who saw that something had happened the minute she looked at me when i told her she scolded you should not have tried on the shoes when you were told not to do it now i think you had better go and apologize i had never apologized in my life in the days where i was given the choice between apologizing and a spanking i always chose the spanking now when i knew that no spanking was coming i certainly refused to do it but mother coaxed and begged and reasoned you are going out into the wide world alone among strangers don't harden your heart against your only friend oh how i wish you had more sense she turned away and cried like a little child 
i was miserable the very thought of apologizing made my face burn but here stood my mother crying i won't have any more chances of pleasing her i thought mother i'll apologize but not now i begged she turned to me that is a dear child she said looking brighter but if you do it at all do it now what shall i say i asked oh just say you are sorry you disobeyed we went into the house aunt masha was dressed and stood at the window combing out her beautiful brown hair it fell all about her covering almost half of her small body when she heard the door close she parted her hair in front as if it were a curtain and looked she dropped it quickly when she saw me and went on combing carefully slowly i went over to her aunt masha i said my voice sounded strange to me again she parted her hair and looked at me i thought i saw an expression of triumph in her steel-gray eyes this hurt me and almost before i could think i blurted out angrily aunt masha i'll never never touch anything of yours again as if it were swine aunt masha fairly gasped and mother looked horrified indeed i was horrified myself at what i had done i turned to mother and tried to explain but i could not make her understand me i was not good at explanations when i myself was concerned quite miserable i ran out of the house and wandered about in the fields for the rest of the morning aunt masha did not speak to me for three days during that time when our eyes happened to meet i tried to tell her in a dumb way that i was sorry but she always turned her face away quickly once when we met near the door our shoulders almost touching i saw a smile come quivering to her lips and so i waited hoping she would speak to me but the next moment she frowned it down and passed on as if she did not know me on the fourth day at twilight i came up on her so suddenly while she was outside that she gave a little scream of fright i too was frightened and caught hold of her hand and she let it stay in mine chapter eleven all through the spring while mother grandmother and aunt masha were sewing and knitting stockings for aunt masha and me to take along to america i wandered about in the fields restless and unable to play at anything early while the flowers were still heavy with the morning dew i would take baby who was a little over a year old on my back tie him on to me with a shawl so that i could rest my arms when they grew tired and start out followed by the rest of the children for hours we would wander about like gypsies more often than anywhere we went to the lake where it was very lively at that time of the year as the peasant women were bleaching their linens there sister and brother would go off digging for flagroot and i would put the two little ones on the flat rock near the edge and climbing up beside them we would all sit quietly for the longest while watching listening it was a pleasant spot the clear blue water lay quietly rippling and sparkling in the sun on the edge were the women with red kerchiefs on their heads and beads of many colours round their necks swinging their wooden mallets in unison and the neighbourhood rang with the echoes which seemed to come from the dense mysterious-looking forest across the lake while through the air floated the sweet odour of new wet linen but the time i loved this spot best was late in the afternoon when the light grew soft and the women went away to their homes then came a peculiar hush and yet there seemed to be a thousand voices in the air whispering softly they came from everywhere from the tall stately forest trees across the lake the hazelnut bushes the flags as the wind passed over them 
and the lake a deeper blue now in the soft light rippled gently as if with laughter sometimes these fairy-like voices would be lost for a moment in the louder sound of a dry twig breaking and falling to the ground the cuckoo of a bird or the splash of a fish i do not know what effect this had on the children it made me unspeakably happy and sad at the same time i remember that i used to want to laugh and cry and sing and dance and very often i did to dance i would clasp hands with the children and we would spin around and around until we fell down breathless and dizzy at twilight we would start for home walking very slowly and feeling very sad at the thought of bedtime so the spring passed as the second of june the day for our departure to america drew near i stayed more in the house and followed mother about more closely gradually i became conscious of two things one was the fear of going out into the world just what i feared i did not know and the other was regret i had not realized how dear to me were my people and home until i was about to leave them but the one whom i regretted to leave most was grandmother grandfather was not fond of me and so he cared little about my going away and mother and the children i should see again but that grandmother cared i knew and i also knew and she knew that her eyes should never see again one day grandmother and i were alone in the house at least i think we were alone for as i look back now i can see no one but the two of us i am standing at the window and she is walking across the room with her slow hesitating step and her hands stretched in front of her for protection coming upon a bench in the middle of the room she sat down heavily saying with a sigh it is strange but the room seems to have grown larger what is that shadow at the window raoul come child let me lean on you there your shoulder just fits under my arm do you remember when you first began to lead me about that was when you still called yourself by name when we reached the window she raised her hand shaded her eyes from the strong light and stood quietly for a while looking out then she said this must be a beautiful day for my eyelids are not as heavy when it is clear oh grandmother it is glorious there is not a cloud in the sky and that thing waving in front of the window can you make out what it is i see a black shapeless mass what is it it is the wild apple tree white with blossoms hmm yes she said meditatively it was a day just like this when grandmother she did not answer for a long while and when she spoke at last her voice was low and passionate when god took my sight from me my eyes had never been strong one day in the spring it was beautiful like to-day i was digging in the garden but a little while it seemed to me when i was startled by a crash of thunder so that the very earth under my feet seemed to tremble i looked up the sun was gone and a black angry cloud hung over the house quickly i gathered up the tools and hastened toward home i was but a few steps away when a windstorm came it rocked the trees blew the loosened shingles from the roof and swept the dry sand in a whirl before me at the same moment i felt a stinging pain in my eyes so that i could not see the door in darkness i groped about for a long time till i found it for twenty-four hours i was beside myself with pain at the end of that time it went away as suddenly as it came when your father who was a little boy then untied the kerchief from my eyes i asked him if it were night 
why mother i heard his frightened voice it is daylight don't you see the sun across your bed then i knew she stood silent and motionless for a while then she said more calmly but i must not sin for if god has taken my sight he has given me dear little grandchildren who have been everything i wanted ah if i had only been worthy enough to keep them with me here she turned to me suddenly and taking my face between her cold soft hands she said entreatingly rahel promise me that you won't cry when you are starting you hear it is bad luck to cry when one is starting on a journey and i want you to write me whether there are any synagogues in america i promise still holding my face between her hands she bent over it and looked at it intently i saw a strained expression come into her face and the eyes move about restlessly under the heavy red lids as though she were trying to see then came a pitiful moan and tears rolled down her cheeks and fell on mine what happened after this i do not remember until the very minute of starting on the second of june and even then as i look back i can see nothing at first but a thick grey mist but the sounds i recall very distinctly there was aunt masha's voice crying a crack of whip horses hoofs striking against stones then there was a sudden jolt and i felt myself falling backwards and now i remember what i saw too when i rose i found myself sitting in a straw-lined wagon with my back to the horse besides me were mother and the baby who were coming to the city with us and aunt masha who was lying with her face hidden in the straw crying aloud i remembered grandmother's warning nothing but bad luck would come to one who is crying while starting on a journey and felt sorry for aunt masha but as we were pulling out through the gate and i saw grandmother looking so lonely and forsaken as she stood leaning against the house and when i saw grandfather and the children who stood at the gate looking after us and crying i could not keep my own tears back though i opened my eyes wide and blinked hard we were still but a short distance from the house when i saw grandmother go in through the open door and close it behind her with unusual quickness as she was passing the window i caught a last glimpse of her white kerchief tied about her head when we turned the corner i could not see grandfather's and the children's faces any more but i still heard their voices carried over by the wind one by one we passed the dear familiar places each one brought back sad and happy recollections as i looked at my favorite bush while we were passing it i saw my little make-believe companions spring up in it one after another and among them i saw the swarthy face of my imaginary brother ephraim i waved my hand to him and then hid my face on mother's shoulder when i looked up again the road was unknown to me chapter twelve we were bound for mink this was a large city about a day and a half hard travelling from our village there mother was to see an agent about smuggling us across the border and buy a few necessary things for our journey as i had been unable to see mother's people before going we went a little out of our way to stop with them for a few hours shortly before sunset we arrived at their home which stood on the outskirts of a small town mother's father had been dead for some years and the mother was living with her four sons who were blacksmiths by trade as we had to pass the shop which was a short distance from the house we stopped there first all four were busy at the forge at the bellows one was swinging the heavy sledge and uncle hyam who was the oldest was shaping a piece of iron on the anvil 
seeing us he stopped and came to meet us he kissed mother with more than usual tenderness shook hands with aunt masha and looked at me in surprise well well he said how tall you have grown but you are only a featherweight after all he laughed as he raised me lightly on a level with himself he locked up the shop when we all went to the house at the door we met grandmother coming from the barn with a pail of foaming milk which she almost spilt in her surprise at seeing us she was as different from my other grandmother as a person could be she was a strong stocky little woman so industrious and quick that at times it was hard to believe that there was just one of her in telling stories however she was like my other grandmother everything she saw and heard reminded her of a story we started to continue on our journey soon after supper at parting we all cried a good deal and laughed too when i refused to kiss my two younger uncles on the ground that they were boys but said the younger and mischievous one you kissed me two weeks ago when i was at your home then it was different i said i could not explain but perhaps i felt that in parting from my childhood surroundings i parted from childhood too uncle hyam lit the way to the wagon with the lantern he held it up high while mother tucked baby and me into the straw between aunt masha and herself i was very fond of this uncle and as i lay looking at his face with the light shining on it i thought another minute and i won't see him any more perhaps i'll never see him again indistinctly through my tears i saw the driver climb into the wagon and uncle jump on the axle of the wheel he bent over me farewell he said at that moment his voice and face were so much like my mother's that i was struck with terror and could not breathe until i found her hand as we jogged off i heard uncle calling after us don't forget god and it seemed to me that the frogs from the neighboring swamps took up the words and croaked don't forget god don't forget god the road was very uneven and every time the wheels passed over a stone i heard aunt masha's head bump against the wagon mother gave her some more straw to put there but she refused what she said peevishly is this pain or any other pain that i have ever had compared with what my mother suffers to-night and so she let her head bump as if that would give her mother relief for a long time i felt aunt masha's body shaking with sobs but by degrees it grew quieter the breathing became regular and she slept then i saw mother who i thought was also asleep sit up she took some straw from her side of the wagon and bending over me towards aunt masha she raised her head gently and spread the straw under it long after mother fell asleep i still lay awake every nerve in my body quivered and my eyes burned as i lay looking up into the starlit sky i lived the day over again the parting from home could there be anything more painful than parting from those dear to you i wondered will this ache in my heart always be there and yet how strange it is but a few hours since i have left grandmother and the children and their faces have already become indistinct as though i had left them a long time ago and so it will be when i part from mother oh i can't bear to think of it suppose something happens now and i could not go to america but had to return home would i be glad glad to go back to four smoked-covered walls no i would be disappointed more than that life would hardly be worth living to what other conclusions i came that night i do not remember distinctly but i recall that gradually i became conscious of the sweet moist night air passing over my face and the splendor of the stars and was soothed by their quiet light 
i slept until baby poked his little nose under my chin to wake me at broad daylight my first thought was i am in mink i had looked forward with pleasure to being there yet all i saw of it was a dingy courtyard a sunless room a drosky and a railroad station the dingy courtyard we passed through when we got out of the wagon and the sunless room was the home of our cousins with whom we stayed as long as we remained in the city these cousins were the children of father's and aunt masha's half-brother who had died several years before aunt masha knew them as well as she knew us and mother knew them too but to me they were strangers when we came into the room i saw a small dark young man with a pale delicate face a square-shouldered boy of about seventeen and a girl of my own age with beautiful brown hair like aunt masha's i remember that i kept in back of mother the thought of being looked at made me feel quite ill during the three days that followed i stayed in the house and took care of baby while mother and aunt masha were doing their errands there was quite some trouble with the agents they found out that we had no local passport and could not get one and so they demanded an unreasonable sum of money which mother finally had to pay and even then it was just as likely as not that we would be caught crossing the boundary and sent back your children had better take along plenty of money the agent said with a smile while he was pocketing the roll of bills for you never can tell how long they might have to wait in hamburg for a steamer mother wept hearing this there was so little left to take along i think it was on the second day that the boy asked aunt masha why don't you take raoul along and show her the city in these shoes aunt masha asked looking at him severely well he said you are going to buy her shoes are you not why not buy them now and let her go along look here aunt masha said with terrible calmness when i ask for your advice you will give it to me until then the boy dropped into a chair as if he were shot then came a peal of laughter he laughed and laughed until his whole body rocked and his small twinkling blue eyes disappeared we all laughed with him and even aunt masha had to frown hard and purse her pretty lips in order not to smile on the third morning aunt masha bought me a very pretty pair of black patent leather slippers with two buttons i remember that after i put them on i sat most of the time i wanted to keep the soles clean and it was only to give the baby pleasure and myself too of hearing them squeak that i walked across the room in the afternoon mother sewed the money that was left into the side lining of my little underwaist no one will suspect it there she said when she was through she spread the waist out on her knee and smoothed out the creases with great tenderness while putting on the waist i noticed that there were many damp spots on it after that there was nothing more to do our new wicker basket was ready and stood corded at the door and there was a small bag of swieback and two new bright tin drinking cups i remember how silently we all sat waiting for five o'clock how white mother's face looked how unnaturally cheerful aunt masha seemed how attentive the boy was to all of us how rapidly my heart beat as if i had been running a long distance a little before the hour my pale-faced cousin came in and it seemed to me that he grew still paler when he looked at us and said the drosky is at the door i don't remember how we left the house but when we were in the drosky i saw that i had my tin cup in my hand and aunt masha had the bag of zwieback and the other cup we were driven to the station at a speed that made baby's breath come and go in gasps the platform was crowded here is the train my cousin said hurry mother caught me into her arms with a cry that made me forget everything 
half unconscious now of what was going on i held her around the neck with all my strength a crowded train i heard hurry and again you will never get a seat now and still later oh i thought you were such a brave girl you will miss the train mile someone pulled my hands apart i was lifted from the back and carried into the train i looked through the window into the crowd for mother just as i caught sight of her face the train began to move i saw her fling out her arms wildly and run alongside of the train for a few steps then her arms dropped limply at her sides and she disappeared in the crowd i stood for a moment swaying back and forth then it grew dark as if night had suddenly come the tin cup fell out of my hand i saw it lying on the floor but indistinctly and the distance between it and me seemed immeasurable and grew with every instant my cup i tried to call and took a step toward it then it disappeared altogether End of chapter twelve